Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Agenda Libertarian podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. So it is time once again to talk about Section 230. Yes, I know if you've been here with me for a while, you've heard me talk about Section 230 before, but because jerkwads in DC cannot knock it off with the idea of either trying to tweak or eliminate Section 230, and jerkwads not in DC, but online, and can't figure out the purpose of Section 230, or for some reason think that eliminating Section 230 will somehow bring about, like, their free speech utopia, I have to talk about it again. And this is also kind of a kind of a, a companion piece to my piece this week in Rocka News where I do talk about Section 230 and kind of give more of a backstory of how it came to be and what its purpose is and the importance of it. So link to that will be in the show notes. Um, just to quickly, quickly, quickly go over Section 230 in case you are new here or in case you are not aware of what Section 230 is. It is at this point kind of a piece of standalone law. It was part of the Communications Indecency Act, but the rest of that act was struck down as unconstitutional. Um, The point of that act was to try to establish certain sort of speech norms and activity norms on the internet. And this was back in 96. So this was back when the internet was first kind of starting to become like a consumer product that was starting to be in widespread use. Um, Like I said, The majority of the act, obviously with the exception of Section 230, was deemed unconstitutional because Congress cannot do such things as dictate, you know, speech. It's kind of part of the the First Amendment. It's right there. You you just got to look it up. But the, the verbiage of Section 230 is really short. It's really easy to understand. And I don't understand why people keep misinterpreting it or thinking it says something other than what it says. Here's what it says. No provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. Basically, what this is saying that if you provide a platform that allows for third-party content, I mean, this is obviously all of social media. This would be any kind of comment section on any kind of website. I mean, this could theoretically, and actually I don't even think theoretically, I would think legally could be applied to services like WordPress or any kind of blog hosting service, podcasting hosting services, image hosting services, basically anything that allows for third-party content, that whatever is posted to that site is not the legal responsibility of the platform because they are not being treated as the publisher of that content. This is what annoys me first off about the Section 230 argument is everybody keeps wanting to make this argument that if a if a, if any kind of site moderates, that means they're a publisher. Per Section 230, they are not. It is the whole point of Section 230 to say that if a platform hosts third-party content, they're not responsible for the content. And that, yes, they can moderate without being sued or being considered the publisher of the content that they do allow on. So, yes, the question of publisher versus platform is already answered within Section 230. Please stop asking. But the reason I wrote this piece and the reason why it is kind of back in the news again is 
There were a couple of interesting developments as far as certain sites changing their TOSs. Um, the thing that really kicked everybody off was that Facebook just abruptly decided to change part of their TOS. And this is effective October 1st of this year. And the, the change is, and here's the verbiage from Facebook. Section 3.2 of our terms of services will be included to, uh, or will be updated to include, we can, we also can remove or restrict access to your content, services, or information if we determine that doing so is reasonably necessary to avoid or mitigate adverse legal or regulatory impacts on Facebook. The other site that I noted changed their TOS was Parler. And when I did my episode on Parler, when Parler first started blowing up and everybody was like, hey, let's go over to Parler because they're the free speech platform. I pointed out that in their TOS, there was a stipulation that if Parler were to be sued for anything that you said on their site, you would be responsible for their legal fees, which again, still don't support that idea. But I did mention at the time, and I still think that that might be a model going forth in the future if we do lose Section 230, that sites will make that compromise with people by saying that, okay, well, you can say whatever you want on the site, but if we get sued, you're on the hook for the legal fees, which, yeah, that's going to have a really chilling effect on free speech because I don't know how many of y'all just have a couple, you know, tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars laying around to help a site be the case that you got them. So anyway, Parler updated their terms of service. They took that part out and they changed it to say that if that they will delete any of your content, that if you create risk or possible legal exposure for Parler. So interesting verbiage here on both of these. People have speculated, especially as far as the Facebook is concerned, that this is in relationship to the upcoming election and basically Facebook saying that they're going to moderate content, which I don't think this is in relationship to the election at all, insofar as this is Facebook and possibly Parler, kind of reading the tea leaves and realizing that both men running for president are anti-Section 230. In fact, Trump just called for Mitch McConnell to abolish Section 230 in a tweet. Joe Biden has been very open about the fact that it needs to either be tweaked or abolished. And so they're pairing that with a lot of the noises that are coming out of Congress about various bills that are on on the table to either eliminate or tweak Section 230. I think they're taking all of this very seriously and they're starting to change their TOSs now to protect them from any future legislation that might remove their Section 230 protections. Why is this important? Because this is two platforms. And mind you, I've not seen anything like this come out of Twitter or Reddit or any of the other platforms, but this is Facebook and Parler telling you that if they think your content could possibly get them hemmed up legally or regulatory wise, they will remove it. And what's interesting to me about the verbiage on both of these is it sounds to me like both platforms are going to be more proactive versus reactive. Whereas it's not going to be a situation where they are going to wait for somebody to report something to them, but that they will be actively 
looking at the content being posted and proactively removing content that they think will cause them legal problems. So yeah, this is basically Facebook and Parler telling you how they plan to operate if Section 230 were to go away. And that is to say they will be removing content. In fact, they will be removing any content that they think, think might get them hemmed up. So this is a point that a lot of us who have been very pro Section 230 have been trying to make to people who are anti-Section 230 on the grounds that they think that Section 230 somehow, if it's not in existence anymore, there will be less content moderation. No, there will be extreme content moderation because the minute platforms can be held legally responsible for what you say on them, they're going to shut it down. It's not going to be some wide open, everybody say whatever the hell they want. They're, they're going to start, they're going to start pulling content. And this is Facebook and Parler telling you flat out, we are going to pull content if we think that this can be damaging to our platform. And I can't say I blame them. I mean, social media platforms are businesses. They do have to worry about legal liability. They have to cover their own asses. They have to make sure that they still stay profitable. So yeah, they're going to do what they got to do to make sure that they still meet their bottom line and that they, they can stay running. So yeah, this is what we have been trying to tell you for ages now is that without Section 230, you are going to have extreme content moderation. There's no way for there not to be extreme content moderation. That's just, that's going to be what it is. It's not going to be all of a sudden like, oh, well, now everybody, all the conservatives get to say whatever they want. Like, actually, I can see a scenario where without Section 230, social media platforms are going to look at political speech in general and say, you know what? This is something that could possibly get us sued for defamation or libel or for spreading misinformation or could somehow get us hemmed up with Congress. So we're not going to allow any of it anymore. All of us are going to be screwed. They're going to be like, nope, no more political discussion. You guys can go and and talk about sourdough bread recipes. That's what you can do. But you're not going to talk about politics. So it's just it's it's so... It's so backwards to think that without Section 230, there's going to be less content moderation. Anyone that thinks that, I, I don't I don't understand at this point. It's been explained so many times that I don't know how anybody can not be understanding this at this point. But I'll make the argument one more time, just in case. So now you know why Section 230 really needs to stay intact the way it is in order to preserve all of us still being able to have some level of freedom of speech on the internet. But since Congress is Congress and Congress does what it does, and like I said, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me bitch about Congress even trying to interfere with tech. Like these people are very old and very dumb and don't know anything about how anything works, especially not in the tech sector or the internet. Like watching one of these tech hearings is just fucking painful. But this past week, there has been a new bill introduced in the Senate. Uh, name of it is the Online Freedom and Viewpoint Diversity Act, which this holds up to the, the old axiom of whenever you see a bill in Congress and it has a name, just assume that the bill itself does the exact opposite of what the name implies. 
So what the point of this act is, is that they're wanting to eliminate Section 230 protections under certain circumstances. And what they're wanting is that for any platform that removes content or moderates content without citing a specific rule in their TOS, that then they would lose Section 230 protection. Moreover, the bill would require platforms to have an object- objectively reasonable belief that content violated a specific policy in order for it to be removed or they could be held liable for their moderation actions. Okay. Content moderation is really one of the most difficult subjects to tackle, and it's one of the ones that's most demagogued. If you have not yet, go read Tarleton Gillespie's The Custodians of the Internet. It is a fantastic book that really helps drive home the difficulty of content moderation, and especially when you're talking about things like objectivity and having to make split-second decisions about whether a specific piece of content does or does not meet the TOS and what goes down and what stays up. Um, One of the best examples I've seen is actually out of that book, and he does a whole chapter on it, is that there was a group on Facebook of breastfeeding moms, and they would post up pictures of themselves breastfeeding their children. But the pictures kept getting taken down because obviously there were bare breasts in the picture, not in a sexual fashion, obviously, but women using their breasts for what biology intended them to be used for, which to feed babies. But the pictures kept getting taken down, so they had to keep fighting with Facebook to put the pictures back up, then they get taken down, up, down, up, down. But it really demonstrates the difficulty of really trying to objectively draw that line between what is and is not acceptable on a social media platform, because obviously Facebook has rules regarding nudity on the platform. And usually... When you think about nudity, you're thinking about it in like a sexual fashion, but these pictures were not sexualized. They're just women feeding their children and celebrating being moms and breastfeeding and trying to share advice with each other. And so it just, it highlights how difficult the whole concept of content moderation is. And when you talk about having an objectively reasonable belief that content violated a specific policy... Take that and pair it back with how Facebook is moderating or changing their TOS. They're changing it to where they think that if they can be held legally responsible, they will take it down. Or if it's something that they feel like they could possibly be held responsible for, they will take it down. Again, objectivity is objective. And so who is going to be the person to make these decisions? It's just like, it's it, it's an irritating conversation to keep having because it seems like people seem to think that there is just this just right amount of content moderation that can be easily had. And there just isn't. We've got two options right now. You've got humans to do it, which there are platforms. Obviously, most social media platforms do have groups of people who that's their job is, you know, you report the stuff to them and then they look at it and then they decide whether it goes up or down. But even that is kind of a stressful job. Um, According to Gillespie's book, he spoke to somebody who actually held that job for a time. And the average time that a worker has to make that decision 
whether or not a piece of content stays up or comes down is about eight seconds. So not a lot of time to sit around and parse nuance and try to figure out like, oh, well, maybe this one slides, maybe this one doesn't. It's more incentivized to where if you have questions, you take it down and then deal with the aftermath rather than leave it up and then possibly leave up content that could be against TOS or could be against the law. Because that's another situation is that you have to take down content that is depicting illegal activities. Like you have to do that by federal law. So it's not that simple. And it's also a job where obviously you do get exposed to some pretty heinous stuff. And there's there's a lot of burnout that comes along with that. Having to like look at the dregs of humanity for eight hours a day. It's like there's only so much you can ask of a person to do as far as that's concerned. I mean, that's got to be just completely emotionally draining and soul sucking. But on the other hand, AI is not to the point where you can program in enough nuance for it to be able to decide what stays up and what comes down without it being a little too heavy handed. And you see this pop up every so often, especially on Twitter. Sometimes they'll they'll have like an overly aggressive AI filter and it ends up taking down content that was perfectly fine. But because a certain word was said or certain words and a certain combination were said, it automatically flags that content and takes it down. So there's no easy answer here. There's really just not. And so platforms do as best that they can to please their audience as much as they can because they are businesses. I mean, they are in the business of making sure they have as many eyeballs as possible because then that way they can sell ads for as much as possible. You, I mean, it's, it's a business. Like you need to make as many people happy as possible and they try to do that, but it, it, there's just people that seem to think that this is a much easier task than what it actually is. Staying on the topic of content moderation and this section I'm reading from The Hill's reporting on this particular bill. Section 230's original phrasing gives platforms wide latitude to pursue content moderation targeted at obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable content. The bill introduced Tuesday would strike the otherwise objectionable phrase, which has allowed platforms to take down a wide range of dangerous content and replace it with promoting self-harm, promoting terrorism, or unlawful. The bill would also change the definition of information content provider to include any instances of editorializing or modifying content created by another person or entity beyond changes to appearance. So, going up to the Section 230 verbiage change. Um, no. See, here's the thing. Social media platforms should have the right to take down any content that they don't want there. That is why the otherwise objectionable content was put in Section 230 to begin with. Because it's not just about social media platforms. It's about allowing anybody who provides any kind of forum or service that allows third parties to post onto it the ability to moderate their content as they see fit. Like, say... You host a forum and you allow for comments, but you don't allow profanity on your forum. You want to run a clean forum. Section 230 gives you the right to remove any comments that contain obscenity because you find it objectionable and because you don't want it on your site. 
So this isn't only about Twitter kicking people off or Twitter deleting certain things or forcing people to delete certain things like this has a wide ranging effect on a lot of different people who moderate content for a lot of different reasons, some of which are benign, some of which are less than benign, but it's still your right as a platform to determine what you do and do not want on it, even if you do allow third-party people to post it. That doesn't mean that you're co-signing anything that you do leave on. It doesn't mean that you're engaging in any kind of editorial process. You're just basically saying, I don't want this content on my site, so I'm deleting it off my site. That's it. And it's a right that everybody should have that provides some kind of interactive service. I mean, it's just, I you can like it, dislike it, but it's... It, that's how it should be. I mean, you do get to dictate what goes on on your platform. And then the second part of this, as far as changing information content provider away from basically just being what it says to saying that, oh, if you if you do anything like, say you put a fact check on or like, like Twitter does, they do that little fact check thing at the bottom or say you put up like a warning filter over a graphic video. I know Twitter does that sometimes. I know there's a couple of other platforms that do that. Does does this now mean that you don't have Section 230 protection? Because that doesn't seem very right. Like, of course, you should be fact-checking things. I mean, if there's... And, and, and this goes to a thing, like, there's so many people that want social media platforms to act as some kind of great fact-checking warehouse. And it's like, first of all, it's not even possible. You can't do that with this kind of level of just sheer volume of stuff that gets posted on a daily basis. Second of all, I mean, you're not changing the content. You're adding to the content. I, I don't know if legally speaking, that should be counted as all of a sudden making you a publisher any more so than, say, if you make a tweet and I reply to it, that doesn't make me the publisher of your tweet. Like, I'm just replying to your tweet. And as far as removing any kind of ability to, like I said, place like a warning filter over over something graphic, over a graphic video or a graphic picture, that is not going to be very helpful to anybody because those are things that should exist. I mean, you should have something like that for people who are more sensitive or they don't want to just be scrolling through their TL or just scrolling down Facebook and inadvertently see something graphic that they didn't want to see. Or God forbid, your kid's scrolling and then you see, I don't know, you see a picture of a guy getting shot or run over or something like these, those filters exist for a reason. And there is a very good reason. And again, this goes to why content moderation is important, because if you can't moderate content, then all of a sudden you've got, you could have all kinds of stuff on the internet and there's no way of saying that, well, you got to take that down. It's just, uh, I just, I don't, I, I do not understand why this is still such a difficult topic for some people to wrap their head around. Section 230 exists for a very good reason. It provides a very, very important function. We don't have we, we don't have interactivity on the internet without it. You don't have social media. You don't have comment sections. You don't have any kind of any platform that would allow you to just publish to the platform 
without going through an editing process. And that's kind of the other joke that people make on social media is that without Section 230, basically you tweet and then you get like put into a queue to wait for like a Twitter editor to look at your tweet and approve it, which that's how normal publishing works. And that's why publishers are held to a different standard than platforms, because usually on a publisher, like we like... Obviously, when I post on Rocket News or I post on Arc Digital, like it goes through an editorial process. So yeah, when they post it up on their site, they're 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 saying yes, we we looked at this content and decided that yes, we want to post it on our site. Twitter doesn't work that way. Like you post something to Twitter and it's up there. You post something to Facebook and it's there. Like there's no editor. So why you would want one, I don't know. <laughs> or why you would want like I don't I don't even know how especially conservatives, I'm not sure how this would even work logistically because their whole thing is, well, we want viewpoint diversity. We want viewpoint balance. So we want to make sure that there's just as much conservative views as as liberal views, kind of like the fairness doctrine, basically. But like, I don't even know how you would apply that to social media. Like, is there going to be a room of people and there's just like a pile of beans and then we just put like, okay, Here's one for the conservative, one for the progressive, one for the conservative, one for the progressive. And then how do they decide, like, okay, say we have an imbalance one day. (laughs) Say we have way more conservatives posting this day than progressives. Well, how are we going to balance out this content? Like, who's getting their content taken down so that everything's equal? Because that's what's going to happen. Like, if you want it equal, then somebody's going to lose content. I mean, it it, it just, it makes no sense to me logistically. And, and I understand that conservatives feel like social media biased against them. Although looking at the numbers, especially on Twitter and on Facebook, um, it's a little hard to make that argument when you see what the top posts are, especially on Facebook. I mean, the top 10 are consistently on a daily basis on Facebook conservative posts, like by far. It's always something by Breitbart, it's Fox News, it's Ben Shapiro. It's it's all, it's that. And I mean, and there are plenty of conservatives on Twitter with massive, massive followings. Like, I don't, I, I, I'm not understanding. I, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I'm just at a loss and I think, People kind of want a thing to be a thing when it's not a thing. And even if you want to make the argument that there is a bias against conservatives on social media, I mean, it's their platform. I mean, what, what, why, why do you want the government to come dictate to a private platform what they can and cannot allow on there? Like, do you not see where the end game of that is? Do you not see where that's going to trickle down from the big tech social media giants to every fucking buddy? Like, do not, don't start down that path. Don't ask the government to come in and start regulating who gets to say what on the internet. That's bad. That's a really bad place to start. Don't even go there. But of course, there are people, dangerously, the people in Congress That's what worries me, because those are the people that actually have the power to attempt to do this kind of stuff. And like I said, with the Communications and Decency Act, most of that got thrown out as unconstitutional. You would think that would be some kind of like alarm bell in Congress critters heads that, hey, you know, if we do this thing, it's going to meet a legal challenge and it's probably going to get tossed. 
But apparently that's not the point of anything anymore. The point is to grandstand and to try to appeal to certain people, whether or not something is legal, be damned. <laughs> but it's just, it's getting, it, it, it's getting a little frightening because like I said, you do have two men running for president, one of which is going to be president, who are very open to the idea of either amending or repealing Section 230. And that's going to screw all of us, all of us who comment on the internet, all of us who do anything on the internet, all of us who are lucky enough to actually make a little bit of money doing this on the internet. <laughs> like we're all going to be screwed and it's going to suck. And I, I don't, I, I'm not understanding why it is that there are so many people and, and I've hammered on conservatives here. It's progressives are no different. Progressives want it for the idea of, well, we have to stop the spread of misinformation and disinformation. So we need the government to step in and put in guidelines about what can and cannot be posted on social media because the Russians might buy Facebook ads again. Just stop. Just fucking stop. Don't ask the government to do it. Like if you want a platform to do it, ask them. Do not do it through the federal government. Please, dear God. Stop it. Stop it right now. No. So I'm sure this will not be the last time I have to have a discussion about Section 230 because, like I said, this topic isn't going away with this next election. And of course, in the lead up to the election, we will be having this discussion about who is trying to influence who online. And now we're we're bringing China and Iran into this. And I'm just, oh, my God, just. uh, <sighs> Yeah, so. At this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.